Hola Madridistas, um, welcome to our preview for, you know, our visit to the Estadio Benito Villamarín at uh, Betis. It's not always been straightforward to win, but, you know, Real Madrid recently have won five of their last seven matches uh, against Betis. But, you know, before we get into any of that, let's welcome the rest of the panel for today. So we have a very special guest uh, in Manuel, who's a hardcore Betis fan. And he's an active member of the Peña Betica as well, uh, which I hear from his Twitter. So, which is the official Peña for Real Betis. So, how are you doing, friend? Introduce yourself. I'm doing all good. All good. Looking up for, for the game. It's going to be definitely an interesting game. I'm very happy to share this moment with you guys. Okay. And also, you know, the other guy on the panel this, uh, needs no introduction. Um, <laughs> he's the bread and butter of this channel, the Nigerian prince himself, you know. So, Farouk, talk to us. <laughs> How have you been? Did you actually watch, you know, our golden boy get his trophy? Oh, I saw pictures, I saw highlights, uh, but not the whole shaban. You know, actually, it's not been a very good week for me because I've been a bit down with flu and all that. So, but then, yeah, hopefully, you know, uh, the weekend is coming. It's football again. So, you know, there's nothing to, there's no better treatment than, you know, victory at the, at the Via Marine on the, at the weekend. Hey, hey, I know you, Farouk. I know even though you're sick, you would have probably caught the Chelsea and Man United game. <laughs> yeah i did man i did under my blanket but that's the thing you know like football is what keeps us going eventually one way or another exactly so you know before we actually get into the meat of the preview uh let's learn a bit more about manuel so manuel tell us you know how you actually became a betis fan and farouk was really interested you know because he was like really wondering uh how you didn't become a Sevilla fan and instead became a betis fan well, uh, Sevilla, actually, I was born in Sevilla, even though I'm a half Brazilian, half Swiss citizen, but uh, my parents met in Sevilla and I was born there and raised there. And Sevilla is a very split city. Uh, the, the supporters are very 50-50 towards 50% uh, is Sevilla, 50% is the Albetis. And um, I don't know, I guess it, it's something that it calls your heart, right? When you're a child and, and you see some colors, you align more to those colors. Uh, you have a certain set of friends and family that they also align a little bit more with those colors and, and, and you get dropped to, to, into it. And, and since I, I have a memory, I have been a Betty supporter. Uh, I have three instances that I remember when I was like three, four years old. Uh, one of them was my grandfather, uh, the Swiss one, uh, giving me as a present a Real Betis uh, shield, like a really small thing for, for holding my keys. And... Um, then my best friend uh, up to today, I'm 40 years, 42 years old. Um, I know I look much younger, but <laughs> um, uh, my my best friend up to today, he's also really um, a fanatic of Real Betis. And so we shared a lot of our childhood together and watched and suffered and enjoyed uh, with our team because we have had uh, really bad periods of time you know, on our history, like uh, getting relegation, then back to the first to, to the first year again, and then again relegation. And one of my aunts, uh, the sister of my grandmother, she was a very good uh, Betis, Betis fan. And, and she even received like a, a, pr a present from the club back in the 90s, uh, which was a golden and diamond uh, emblem of the club, you know. So all these things made me develop my, my taste for Real Betis. And I don't want to slash and to, to, to speak badly about Sevilla because actually they have done a, a great no, history. No, no, this, in the last this is a Real Madrid podcast. If you feel free to, you know, talk bad about Sevilla. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, but they, they have done actually a great job in the last 20 years. That's undeniable. Uh, you see the, the record sheet, the Europe League they have won, the, uh, the King's Cups and, and everything they have achieved. It's amazing. But uh, that has only made us Betis fans stronger and more resilient uh, and, and more decisive in terms of saying like, no, no, I don't care how much you win. For me, the best club in the world is Real Betis. And that's how, that's how we stand. That's, that's our motto. It's uh, Viva el Betis, man que pierda, which is uh, Viva el Betis. It's like, a, yeah, God save Betis. Uh, man que pierde is even if we lose, kind of like Liverpool fans. Uh, so we have this resilient mode. It's, uh, it doesn't matter. We lose today, I love you more. If we lose tomorrow, I will love you even more. And, and that's how we overcome our adversities. 
but thankfully we are experiencing the best uh, period of our history three years in a row classifying to europe league and uh, hopefully we keep on going in this same direction so manuel if i can summarize what you're saying is that basically you guys are the noisy neighbors of seville then yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you look at the at the stats in the stadium, it's crazy. We get 50,000 people uh, pretty much every Sunday or every game at home. Uh, while Sevilla, they get 33,000, 36,000, you know. So we are, uh, um, I would say, a more trustworthy uh, fan base uh, because we go more to the stadium than they do. And also, if you see the games when we play in, in, others, in other places, in other cities, we always have a base of 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 uh, Beticos that have gone there or that actually live in those cities and they join to the game as well, you know. Uh, so we are very well liked uh, in Spain. I will, actually, there was a um, uh, some sort of, uh, of, of research uh, by some platform which was the most beloved club in Spain. So you could value from 10 to 1. And the club that averaged a better average was Real Betis. So we, we can say that we are the most loved team in, in Spain, uh, even on top of Real Madrid or Barcelona, because at the end, Real Madrid and Barcelona has this penalization that the one that loves Real Madrid and gives a 10 to Real Madrid will give a zero to Barcelona and sideways, right? Exactly. Uh, but many people who are from Barcelona, from Zaragoza, from uh, Athletic Bilbao, Valencia, they will have a second or third choice. It will be Real Betis. So we are very light, and that's something that uh, we we try to share with our happiness and and uh, with uh, our spirit. Exactly. Yeah, uh, you nailed a point. You know. Uh, so I don't know if you know La Liga Michael on Twitter. So he actually had a campaign out. Uh, I think a couple of years ago, starting he was saying that all Real Madrid and Barcelona fans they should actually pick a second team in La Liga just to you know help support the league and you know watch more of the matches and I remember two years ago I picked uh, Real Betis to watch a few games I think I watched close to 10 games that season and then the season after that I picked Real Sociedad so yeah definitely a really good club to you know like and to have as a second team yes especially if you're a Real Madrid fan you got to see a little bit how the, the atmosphere of the stadium even if it's through TV that it's always packed and exactly we are very noisy normally and we are we enjoy a lot of games. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, do you want to get into the meat of the podcast today? Uh, so, I guess the first question comes, you know, uh, Real Betis are right now in seventh, just one point off of uh, Real Sociedad. So, how has your season gone so far? Uh, did you actually feel like you are in the right place or do you feel like you can be even better? I think that we can be even better. I think that we are, uh, despite the last two, three games, uh, we have shown a little bit more doubts in our style of play. But uh, we have been growing through the start of the season. Um, we did change a couple of big pieces in our team. So, for instance, uh, uh, Sergio Canales, he has been very important in the last seasons for Rabetis. He moved to Mexico at the end of last season and he was one of our playmakers. The other playmaker was Nabil Fekir, who sadly is injured, and we do miss him uh, very much because he's, I mean, uh, who, who cannot, uh, you cannot describe Nabil Fekir with words when you have seen him play, right? He's magic on the pitch, and he's capable of doing the unthinkable. And these kind of players, it's always something that draws attention, helps your teammates because he gets two defenders covering his space, so he opens a space for the attacker, for the winger or things like that, you know, and, and we miss that from Nabil Fekir. Um, and also William Carvalho, who is the other playmaker that we had on the squad. He, he started the season injured. He's injured again now. So he has he has not been able to pick a pace of like four or five games, straight games uh, without uh, problems where he can feel confident and play and give whatever he has in his body. Right. And and from that, we switched to Isco. Uh, he is a, an amazing playmaker you guys enjoyed him for many years uh, i think that he's performing he has gone back to his top form if you look at him he's thin he's he's working out like crazy and uh, he's very mentalized after the last year and a half that he had a really difficult and tough time as, as he declared in several interviews and um, but he's become uh, one of our 
well, one of our knowledge is the most important player in our squad at the moment because Nabil Fekir, sadly, he's injured and uh, he came back from his uh, torn ligament injuries, but then he got some, something muscular uh, two games ago and apparently he will not be back until January. So uh, we so rely he, a lot Nabil on Fekir, this. He has a knee injury right now? Uh, is yes, some, yes. Okay. Yeah, he 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 broke the cross ligaments right, uh, and, and last season and in January, and uh, he made his his comeback like three four games ago, uh, playing twenty minutes, fifty minutes here, and then in Europe League uh, he played the first half, and after the first half he was uh, he was substituted, um, and apparently he's being injured again, so he will be apparently one month, one month and a half uh, again out of the games, so. We probably will not see his best form in the next three months because he will need to pick up the pace and then sensations, confidence. It's a difficult injury to come out from, right? Exactly. But um, so diabetes, we have, even with all this situation, uh, we ha we are there. We are seventh, as you will say. It. It's one point behind the Real Sociedad, uh, three points behind Atleti de Bilbao. So we are in the fight for the fifth of seventh place on the league, which is uh, the fight that we want to be and that uh, our, our economical limits sets our fight to be over there. And um, so we are happy despite uh, there are things that are improbable. There are games that we have uh, pretty much thrown the second half and, and the, the other teams were able to come back and, and make the equalizer. Uh, there are things to grow on, on and, and to improve. But in overall, I think that we are First in our Europa League group, we are forward in the Kings Cup. Even yesterday was a suffering game, and uh, we are well positioned in the league to keep competing for our objectives. Exactly. And you know, before uh, we actually go into the rest of the lineups, let's just take a moment, you know, to appreciate Isco. As Madrid fans, uh, we continuously been seeing Isco's highlights. He has really, really looked like a new version of himself. He looks leaner, meaner. I feel like uh, I've, I've even seen some clips of him tracking back. Uh, so he's putting in all the hardships. So Farouk, do you want to actually chip in with one of your favorite Isco moments in Real Madrid? In Real Madrid, uh, he won a couple, a couple champions, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Three Champions League, I think, that with Real Madrid. So I mean, he, he has been an important player. Yeah. Five, five Champions League. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I'm not so good <laughs> in Real Madrid numbers. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah. It, I mean, outstanding player. I think that we are really happy, really lucky to have him. Exactly. How about you, Farouk? Uh, favorite moment of his goal? Uh, quite interesting. But actually, you know, <clears throat> one goal comes to mind. Actually, it's 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 not. You know, it wasn't a moment of magic, but because like the moment of magic was by Karim Benzema. But it was you know in the game against Atletico Madrid, where you know basically Atletico Madrid was you know in I think it was in the quarterfinals of the UCL, mm -hmm. and you know. Uh, Atletico Madrid were basically on the verge of, you know, completing a comeback and, you know, uh, Isco was just there to rebound a Tony Cross shot and, you know, that basically sealed the game for us and uh, I think that's one of those moments but I would say like, you know, 2016-2017 uh, Isco was, was, was basically unplayable, he was phenomenal, you know, there was a stretch between 2016 and 2018 where you could argue that Isco was the best creative midfielder in the world, you know, he was, he, he was, really, he was really that good, you know, like ahead of whatever the names were. And he was arguably one of, maybe even the most important, you know, player in in, in that you know uh, system that Zidane was playing with two attackers, where you know Bale, uh, Benzema, and Cristiano. You know, uh, I think that that's the period I can pinpoint any other moment. That's one that just stands out, you know, to the top of my head right now. But yeah, you know, it's it's as you said, like you know, uh, I haven't seen any of the Rio Betis game, but I mean, Isco has nine man of the match in thirteen games. You know. He's arguably, you know, alongside Jude Bellingham, the most informed, you know, most influential, you know, attackers in the league right now. So, and as you said, like you see, <clears throat> even you know, you read pieces of that. I was reading a piece, you know, on 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 Isco earlier today as well. That you're saying about the fact that you know, for the first time in a long time, you see like Isco is actually you know enjoying playing football again, you know, because let's not forget like towards the end at Real Madrid, it was just all you know doom and gloom, and you know, he was just sitting on the bench, not happy, doing this and that, and then you know. Uh, he went to Seville, you know, he went to again in Seville to Sevilla and then, you know, Union Berlin and what is and what is and so it all didn't work out. So, you know, seeing someone who is pure magic and the thing about people like Isco is that there are very, very few of them left in football, you know, because now football is focusing on a lot of automations and, you know, tactical rigidity and all this. So like 
seeing creative players like Isco play with you know joy and freedom. I mean, for any neutral football fan, honestly, like it's 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 pure fun, you know. Honestly, like it's 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 joy for us. And honestly, like I mean, I wish you score all the best, just not against us at the weekend. <laughs> and you know, uh, it's got, I, go sorry, I, I completely agree with what you commented. Like this is the kind of player that makes people who like the sport enjoy the moments of the sport because he, because of what he's capable of making out of the place. So it's definitely an outstanding player. Absolutely. And Manuel, do you actually remember Isco's announcement video uh, that Betis posted? Uh, with yes, 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 yes. I, I, it was amazing with the Jones Snow, definitely. It was beautiful. And um, I remember many friends of mine writing me WhatsApp saying like, dude, we have signed this bluff, you know, this is going to be terrible. And I have the WhatsApps like screenshotted saying like, dude, he is going to kick us. He is going to come back at his best version again. Uh, I saw his interview where he explained how psychologically challenging had been the last year and a half for him, how he needed to reset after, as you will mention, Farouk, uh, the, the Sevilla and Union Berlin situations. Um, those were big setups, setbacks for him, and he needed to reset. He did psychological work with professionals, and he you see the result here, you know, like the guy is, is nine times out of 13 games played by him. He's been the most valuable player uh, chosen by supporters. So that means a lot, you know, and I think that he's feeling the, 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 the uh, how do you say, the, the people's warmth and uh, he's enjoying the moment. He's in a group of people in Real Betis. That, that's something that I like to see every training. Uh, you see there's a group of friends over there, you know, and, and they feel all connected. They feel as one and they support each other like crazy. So uh, I'm, I'm very happy to, to have him there. And, and the just know was amazing because actually it's a representation of all that we are seeing. Like uh, I, I came back from the dead, you know, and now I am giving my best again and running like crazy, dribbling like crazy, making those crazy passes that nobody else sees, you know, and, and make us fans in general and particularly the Betis fans enjoy his talent. Absolutely. Yeah, Manuel, I'll just ask you, like, how much do you think the influence of Manuel Pellegrini is? Because, like, let's not forget, like, Pellegrini was the one who also gave him his big breakout, you know, at, at, at Malaga in the past as well. Like, how much of an influence do you think, you know, Pellegrini has with, you know, restoring that, as you mentioned, like, you know, it's basically a band of friends who are just, you know, doing stuff and he's enjoying and all the psychological boredom that he has been through as well. I think it's a completely determined determination. Uh, determined, no, how do you say? Sorry, uh, it's really important. Uh, mm -hmm. And Pellegrini is making a really important mark in all of that. Uh, not only with Isco, but with the whole team. He's a super experienced coach. He has been manager for Real Madrid, Manchester City. Uh, got the best mm -hmm. result in the history of of Malaga. Uh, also Villarreal. He built the big, the, the first big great Villarreal. He did build it uh, with Riquelme and Forlan. And as you well mentioned, Isco with Malaga, that those seasons, he was incredible to watch, even though he was 19, 18 years old. And uh, it was such a joy to see this, this happiness expressed with the ball, right? And dribbling here, passing there and everything. And um, I remember the interviews of his presentation uh, for the Real Betis. And uh, you, we have Ramon Planes, who is our director uh, of, of business director, like um, our general manager, kind of, kind of like. And uh, he was saying, like, well, when we received the chance of Isco being able to come, I spoke with Manuel Pellegrini. And he said, definitely, like, uh, I know this player. I know how he works. I know uh, that he's uh, in a good mentality uh, point of, of being, you know. And, um, and, and I think that for Isco, it was amazing, the fact of being able to work with somebody who got so much and such a good performance for him when he was so young. So it's, a, it's in all the ways, again, like the Jon Snow uh, advertisement, right? It's again, like uh, coming back to the origins. He's like, uh, I'm here again. And again, with the coach that made me become prime football player for the first time. So I think, but Manuel in general, we have won a King's Cup two years ago. With him, uh, we have we are getting our best sports results, like uh, performances in the last uh, three years in a row, and this is something that we have never seen. So he is an, an all-around amazing manager for for Real Betis, uh, for the team, for the how he builds the group and everything. Absolutely, and it's 
uh, it just goes to show how good of a manager he is because in today's game we don't see a lot of teams playing with a number 10 and how has he actually been able to make that work how, how has he been able to set up the rest of the attack and make sure the team is still good on defense well he he demands from everyone in his in his team to run and to fight and he likes to do a high pressure so he likes to pressure the 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 the, the rival team when they try to play the ball from behind uh, real betis you will see normally they are going to be pressing on top of of the three quarters of the of the rivals uh, side of of the pitch and and isco is It's uh, Isco now. Before it was Nabil Fekir or Canales when he had to play that role. And they all have shown a lot of compromise in this side, you know, because when you are in a group of friends, uh, you give you 120% or you 150%, right? Because uh, you have each other's back. So if they break this line of pressure, you run back and you run back like crazy to help your teammate. And that's what we see from, from Nabil, from in the last years from Nabil and Canales that's what we've seen with uh, with Isco this year and uh, that's something that is really enjoyable sometimes some of the supporters we criticize that we would like to see a different side of plays with uh, two forwards instead of a proper number 10 and things like that but at the end he's the engineer right he's the one that has the ideas uh, he's the one that coaches the team and knows who is better and, and knows his ways to try to win the game So we have to respect that, and, and and he's doing a good, I mean, definitely a good job. So and it's a pleasure to see a number 10, because it's a, normally those are the magic ones. And now we have Magisco. We we are saying like magic Magisco, uh, because he's actually developing uh, delivery, right? Absolutely. And you know, uh, speaking of your other attackers, uh, some people were you know touting. Uh, Abde as one of the up and coming stars of La Liga he was taking Barcelona by storm uh, he was probably one of the best triplers in that early parts of those se- in, at that season when he broke onto the pitch but how has he been actually for you guys uh, has he been living up to his name not yet um, not yet but because we have high expectations with him right and uh, and i think that he's a very young he's 21 years old uh, he's a very talented he physically he's very good um now you you can see that now he's in full form so he can play, be pressing and running and dribbling the 90 minutes and, and, and going full speed so um he's getting to his top to to his peak form but still he has up front at Ayothe Ayothe Perez he's also playing really well and and he was already last year with us so It's a beautiful competition between them two because they are really both of them really good players. Uh, a little bit different on the style of play that they, they that they present or that they offer to the teammates, but uh, but little by little, I think the update is starting to deliver. Actually, yesterday we won in cup in the Kings Cup. Uh, we were able to recover from a loss of zero uh, one. We update scored the the one one goal, the equalizer in the minute eighty eight. And then he gave the pass uh, to Miranda, so that Miranda could assist uh, our striker for the final two-one. So he was decisive, uh, and he was the 90 minutes of the game. So I think a little by little he's reaching the expectations that we have from him, but uh, also with the idea that he's a very young player and he has a lot to grow still. Absolutely. So you know, uh, let's uh, kind of get into the Betis lineups. Uh, so you were mentioning a couple of players were out with injury. Uh, Hector Bellerin is actually out because he had a red card in the last La Liga game. Yeah. So we have uh, the doubts on the central backs. It's going to be Pesela. Is uh, one of the doubts because he was uh, he 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 asked asked for being changed in the Europa League game uh, a couple of games ago, and um, so. We are in doubt if he will be in the starting eleven or it will be Socrates. Socrates Papastodopoulos. I'm unable I, to say I still can't that pronounce name. that name. I'm not going to try to. <laughs> it is hard, but um, but well, we will see. That's my biggest doubt, actually. Uh, then Chadi Riad, he's going to be the other central back for sure. Uh, on the left side, uh, I think that Abte, Abner, uh, the Brazilian left wing, is going to be playing. And on the right side, Aitor Ruibal, uh, since uh, Yusuf Sabali and uh, is out for injury, and uh, Bellerin is out for red card. 
Then we have Guido Rodriguez. He got injured today, so he, I think that he will be missing the next month and a half of the competition. So uh, we have big problems there because William Carvalho is also not recovered. Um, so we have Marroca, we have uh, Andres Guardado, and uh, we have uh, Sergio Altamira, who is the youngster that we signed last minute from Getafe. And uh, I think that it's going to be Marroca and, and Sergio and, and Andres Guardado. On both as, as defensive midfielders, and then it's going to be Ayoce on the left uh, wing attack. It's going to be Isco as at number ten. Uh, on the right is going to be Asan Diao. Asan Diao, he's a youth player that just made his eruption like seven games ago uh, with uh, the first team, and he scored like uh, three goals in the first in the first three games. So he, he he's doing a really good job, and. Um, Actually, he won't. He's now on front of Luis Enrique, which is the Brazilian winger, which is also a, a talented player. And on top, as a striker, I think it's going to be William Jose, the Brazilian. That's my my bet for the starting eleven, with the doubt of Pecela. I don't know if Pecela will recover, or if we will see Socrates having his first La Liga appearance. Yeah, that's indeed uh, still a very strong lineup, even with all of the missing players. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the left-back, Abner, he used to be a former Madridista? No, Abner, uh, he was uh, from Atletico Mineiro, uh, from Brazil. Okay. He was in the Olympic team of Brazil that won the Olympic Games. Uh, so, he, he's a gold medalist for the Olympic, uh, with the Olympic national team. And um, he's still young, uh, a little bit criticized by, by many supporters because we expect more. And, and because he came when Alex Moreno went to the Premier League and Alex Moreno was performing at a really good level. So it's difficult to fill those shoes right away, right? And yeah. uh, mostly coming from Brazil, you need some time to adapt. But I, I have high expectations with him in the future. Absolutely. You know, uh, before we head into the Real Madrid side of things, uh, we'll take a couple of comments. So Chaparro Blangota says, Hala Madrid, Hala Madrid yourself, Chaparro, thanks for tuning in. Ashik says, I am here and uh, Jacob didn't doze off today. Woohoo. So <laughs> that is a running joke on this podcast. So sometimes, you know, it gets late in India and I do doze off. But then I just couldn't miss today's episode. You know, Manuel, a really important guest is here. So, you know, I'm always awake. <laughs> so he also says uh, he has a prediction. So he says uh, he's going to get a standard statement out of the way. So he's going to predict a Jose Lu hat-trick against Betis. Whoa. It's bold words. So it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, Manuel, for your for your knowledge, so like <clears throat> there's a running bet between me and Ashik actually. So like Ashik wants, you know, uh Galatasaray jersey with uh Hagi. I don't know if you know Hagi like the Georgian. Well, definitely, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he wants a Hagi 10 jersey from Galatasaray if you know uh Ashik uh, if Hosilo gets a hat trick during the you know league season this year. And I told him if if that happens, I will happily buy him, you know, a jersey, you know, although it's gonna be difficult <laughs> but yeah, definitely it's not a problem. But Jose is performing well, right? I mean he's not doing bad. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, like you know, if you have a fiat, you're not gonna expect a Lamborghini performance, you know, a fiat is a fiat eventually, you know, that's just the thing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's playing well. But actually, Manuel, I want to actually pose a question to you, actually, because, like, one intriguing name I always find with Real Betis is Mark Roca, you know, because I remember, like, you know, Roca won the European under-21s, you know, with Spain. I think, was it under-19 or under-21? I can't remember. While, while he was at Espanyol. And then he had the big move, you know, to, to, to Bayern Munich. And obviously, you're expecting, okay, he's going to be, like, you know, the replacement for Javi Martinez in the middle of the park or, you know, after Philip Lam and all those guys, you know. But all of a sudden, you know, it didn't work out there. He went to Leeds and then back to, you know, uh, Spain with you guys. But how would you rate him? Or like, you know, what's 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 the what's the thing with, with Mark Roca? I hope that we buy him on a full full time period, you know, because at the moment he's on loan. So I'm really expecting for the Betis uh, club to make a move and try and, and make him stay like in, as a proper football player for Real Betis. I think he's doing a really good job. Uh, the team up, and that's the sad thing for tomorrow, like uh, him and Guido Rodriguez, both of them as defensive midfielders, uh, it was a really tough line to go through for all the teams, you know, and uh, defensively, aside of two games, one against Barcelona, 
that we received five goals and then another against Athletic de Bilbao that was kind of crazy game that we lost 2-4 after a lead of 2-0 being lost for us. And aside of that, we have been performing really well defensively and, and a big part of this success has been the Guido and Roca uh, team up on the midfield. Um, giving the thing that Roca is a little bit younger, has a better passing skills than Guido. And uh, for me, he's an amazing, uh, outstanding player that it's finding again uh, his, his confidence, right? He's, he's rising on it as a player. And uh, as you said, I think that he went too young to, to Bayern Munich and having only performed at a top competition uh, with a club uh, with Espanol only one year or two, one year and a half, like at a really good level and suddenly, boom, makes the big jump. I think that's the problem many times with youngsters. They, they make the jump when they still have not a proper stability uh, performing at a really high level. So when they are expected to perform at a really high level every single day, every single minute, uh, sometimes they, they do not cope well with the pressure and and they need some time to adapt to that level of pressure. You know, and I think that Roca now he's he's a much more uh much better player than he was when he signed for Bayern Munich. But still not as interesting now because he's not 21 years old anymore. He's now 26, 27. So uh, you know those things happened. But I, I would definitely buy him on, on full time. Absolutely. And uh, we have one more uh, comment from Ashik. So he says, it is odd not to see Joaquin in the lineup though, but life goes on, I guess. I completely share those thoughts. Uh, Joaquin, it's, I am from his year, actually. I'm, I was born in 1981, same as Joaquin. I was able to meet him once uh, in Puerto Santa Maria after the Korean and Japan World Cup. Uh, like He had missed the penalty for Spain in the decisive penalty shootout. And uh, his charisma as a person, and, and this is the difficult thing for many people to understand, it's even bigger than what he was as a player. And as a player, he was an amazing player, like technically and, and, and his professionalism. But uh, it is hard. It is hard. It's uh, one of those legends that uh, now you see him on the with the president of the club and everything watching the games and he's like, dude, you should be playing down there, you know, <laughs> like uh, making those dribbles and, and those runs. Uh, completely feel that comment. Absolutely. A total La Liga legend. But, you know, uh, yeah. let's slowly get into the Real Madrid side of things. So, Farouk, do you want to take us through the Real Madrid news, which, you know, if you're a Real Madrid fan, it's just waking up, reading about a new injury, reading about someone new coming in off of injury, you know. So, take us through everything that happened over the week. Yeah, Jacob, that's the thing, like, you know, as you said, like, it's, it's it's just all doom and gloom these days, you know, like, you just hope for the best, and, you know, one of my worst fears actually came to pass, and that's the injury to Danny Carval. you know, we, we, we've always said, like, you know, Carval has been, you know, reborn this year, like, he's been playing, you know, close to the very peak that Carval has been, but, again, we know this man is made of glass, and the issue is that Carval is one of the, the position Carval plays is one of the positions where the, the, the drop is so huge, you know, the difference between playing Carval as a right back and Lucas Vasquez as a right back is, you know, I think one of the biggest we have, you know, the biggest gap we have in the squad with any replacements. And unfortunately, I think Carval is also out for two months. So it's 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 looking really bleak there. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, we should have the, the team that, you know, is, is similar to the team that, you know, that, that was against Granada except for Carvajal. So, uh, and with just the one caveat that we should be most likely expecting to see, you know, uh, Kepar is a Malaga back in goal, and that's that's why I want to come back to Manuel again. You know, before offline, off air, we were talking about the fact that you know, I don't know what your opinion is on you know having two keepers starting and you know, rotating in and out, and you know, what's the situation with you guys as well? So, yeah, as, as I was commenting before, now at this moment, Claudio Bravo is, is injured, so he will not be playing tomorrow. Um, then we also, but for the last three years, we have been rotating Claudio Bravo and Receiver. Like uh, Claudio Bravo gets three games, then Resilva gets another three. Every now and then Claudio Bravo got injured because he has always had a history of injuries uh, since he was in Real Sociedad before he went to Barcelona. And um, so I was, that, that made it possible to have this kind of, uh, of rotation without much sound and noise from, from the supporters. But uh, now, whenever it happens a little bit that Claudio Bravo plays and uh, some supporters think that he didn't play as well as he should, 
they will criticize Pellegrini saying, ah, Rui Silva should be playing, you know. But then Receiver plays and some people are like, ah, but Claudio Prado should be playing, you know. So this is the eternal debate when you have two good goalkeepers that are performing at a good level in general. And uh, I think that we have that. And this season, actually, we had a couple of games ago, uh, Rui Silva was also injured. Uh, so we had uh, our third goalkeeper who plays for our second team, for, for the base team, is uh, the 80s. And he performed really well, actually. He he played the last minutes against uh, Barcelona, which was a really tough game to, to come into because we were losing by far. And, and, and the Barcelona team was completely on form on that date, you know, and we lost 5-0. But then he played against Sevilla the full game. And he made some good stops. Uh, then we, he played um, the next game in the league as well. So he's been performing well. And I have my doubts, but I think it's going to be Rhys Silva, the one that plays tomorrow, yeah, and not uh, the 80s. Uh, but still, if it will be the 80s, I will be trusting him as well, because he has performed well in two top, uh, top uh, demanding, level, uh, demanding games, right, uh, in the Liga. Okay. And I see your problem, because now you have uh, André Lunin, who I think he has been performing well. Uh, and then Kepa, who came to substitute the injury of, of Courtois. And um, and also is a really good goalkeeper. Nobody's going to discover Kepa at this moment, right? And uh, so it's a it's a tough cha- it's a tough call for for Ancelotti, you know, because at the end you have a young player that he's getting the opportunity and performing well, but on the other hand, the more established goalkeeper that comes back from injury and will want to to start getting minutes as up, right? Absolutely. Well, yeah. What What do you think, Dumano? Because the debate that we've always had, you know, at least on on our on our channel, has always been the issue of you know uh, the talks about you know everything has to be merit based. You know, if you're playing good, you should have been taken out of the team. You know, as the saying goes, like you don't fix what is not broken. You know, so that's just then like you know, if it's working, why take the player out? Or like, would you say it's better to have a more consistent? Okay, this is our first choice, and that way, you know, whatever happens, this is our first choice, and this is our first choice. You know, because the thing is that the goalkeeping situation is a situation that actually gives confidence to the team you know if the yeah. defenders don't have confidence in their goalkeeper they also the ability to defend also you know drops down a lot as well you understand so this is why i just want to you know think because your your team has been in this situation for the past three years but what has been your observations like do you think it should be a merit-based situation or like you know having and sticking to one choice is the best option so it, it is a really hard call actually because as you well mentioned uh, goalkeeping is a fundamental uh, part of the team is uh, is the trust on the defenders is the uh, is how how they behave you know normally it's going to be the general of the defense he's going to be calling many of the players and like move back go left check out this player you know and make all these calls and there has to be a trust in that in both directions uh, defenders with the goalkeeper goalkeeper with the defenders me personally i am more oriented of having one goalkeeper for the main competition and then a second goalkeeper for playing the extra games, be it Europe League, uh, Kings Cup, other competitions. But the main competition for a club, for our club at least, it's La Liga, right? Because we need to to classify to Europe League to meet our expectations, to to keep growing. Real Madrid uh, objective is Champions League, so uh, because it's it's the thing that tastes better for you guys, even better than La Liga. So at the end, it's it's a tough call. I am. A little bit more tilted to the one goalkeeper, like uh, that you can say he is the starting eleven goalkeeper normally, and then the second goalkeeper. But if you have a coach that actually has the same trust in both, and and then the defenders also have the same trust in both, and the group is like really cohesive and uh, like really well built, I can understand the rotation in this context. But as always, depends on the context. It's it's going to be each group is going to be different. And some goalkeepers, the first goalkeeper detests and hates the second one. Uh, the second one hates and detests the first one. So there is no friendship at all. Some of the groups, the two goalkeepers, even though they are rivals, they, they are the best friends as well, you know, in and out the pitch. So it, it is a difficult thing to, to call. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm going to put you in a difficult spot here, Manuel, maybe, uh, because we asked this no, question shoot. to our fans as well. Uh, who do you want to actually start the rest of the season, uh, Lunin or Kepa? And then our fan base was very mixed because it is, again, a very difficult question. So who's going to be your choice? I think it's going to be Kepa. Oh, uh, no, like, uh, for, uh, maybe for Betis, I'm thinking. 
Ah, no, for Betis, I, I would like Luis Silva. Luis Silva. I would like Luis Silva. Yeah, I have utmost respect for Claudio Bravo. Uh, he has achieved incredible things in all the clubs that he has been. And uh, with his national team as well, he has been captain of the best national Chilean team that we have ever seen, that they won two America Cups. And, and he was a really important asset for that team. And so he's a legend. And I know that he has a, a, a he plays with his feet in a really good way. So he goes and gives like 50, 60 yard passes like to this to the foot of his of his teammate. And those things Resilva do not bring right into the table. But then uh, Resilva is a younger player. His reflexes are more sharp. Uh, he's a little bit bigger, so he he occupies a little bit more of the goalie, you know. And uh, in that sense, I am a little bit more tilted for Ruiz Silva for the league, and then Europe League and Kings Cup. I will go for Claudio Bravo or Fran Vietis in case that Claudio Bravo is not up for the game. Yeah, Manuel, actually, you make a good point, and that, <clears throat> that, that's a bit away from what we're discussing, but it's interesting because, you know, you talked about the fact that, you know, Bravo is very good with his feet, which is one of the reasons why he made the move to Barcelona and Man City later on. But I don't know if how much you follow other European, you know, leagues, and, but aren't you seeing a new trend where, like, you know, because you're looking for, you know, basically a playmaker in goal, you basically forget about goalkeepers who actually can actually do goalkeeping. Yeah, hey, you're As talking you about like, Onana. I mean, not Onana. I mean, even we saw with what's he called, the Arsenal goalkeeper, what's his name? Uh, David Raya. He's also Spanish, you know. Just two days ago or three days ago, like, it was absolute horseshit, man. Like, what, like, what's that? And, you know, considering the fact that, you know, you have Ramsdale in, who had done a phenomenal job last year, you know. Not just that, as well, even, you know, you know, we go to even the likes of, uh, if you see the game against City, against Liverpool as well, you know, while... Allison was trying to play out of the back. Basically, he gifted Man City the first goal, you know. We also see this with Edison happening a lot. And even, you know, so I don't know. What's your take on, like, should a goalkeeper be a goalkeeper? Or should a goalkeeper, you know, be able to have this other facets and, and you know, addition to the game? And I know you're going to tell me again, it's the context and all of this, but I mean... It's, it's... No, 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 no. But I have a fun experience that it was really yeah. recent. Um, okay. I don't know if you, you know that uh, there was an event, a football industry event in Miami a couple of weeks ago. Uh, is the SoccerX Miami, and uh, so it's a it's an event that happens about the industry of football, and you have all kinds of businesses that that uh, live out of football, um, and some of them are fan-oriented businesses, some others are like technology applications uh, directed to professional clubs and everything, and I attended to that event because I myself am jumping into the football industry, uh, representing some players' interests and, and and some sponsorship deals and things like that. And I, there was one of the panels uh, because in these events you have like professionals from different areas that come and speak uh, about the mentality of the game. How do you build the mentality of the youth players nowadays with all the resources available? And then there was one panel that was called sweeper or keeper. So it's directly response to what you're questioning, like boom, full stop. And uh, you had uh, Sasha Hislop and Bruce Grobelar. I don't know if those names are familiar to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Shaka. Yeah. Yeah, Bruce Grobelar, I think that now he lives, uh, he, he works for, for Liverpool and he was speaking about Alisson, who is a really good player with, the, with his feet and, and, and probably his uh, top three goalkeepers in the world uh, at the moment. Um, and he was mentioning also Ederson, but then he mentioned Adrian, Adrian San Miguel, he's the second goalkeeper for, for Liverpool for the last years. And he's a Betis uh, player, I mean, he, he, was, uh, he came out from the Betis youth ranks, you know. And uh, the way that he was speaking, saying like, uh, you, today it, it is uh, a main thing to have for a goalkeeper is like to have a good uh, fit job, right? Like for them to be able to play properly with their feet and not uh, every shot that they make, it's a lost ball for their team. No, like they, they can actually do long passes uh, with a certain accuracy. And uh, he was uh, commenting about uh, Adrian San Miguel that in these ways he came like really well trained because in Betis Academy, this has been a point of work for many years already. And, um, and for me, I think that is the evolution of the game. Um, you see more and more teams that rely on that and, and they get cutting edge advantage uh, when the plays are well made, you know, because uh, they get this long pass that uh, nobody were expecting the goalkeeper to make. And you got the winger or the striker, like a proper goal opportunity out of a pass made by the goalkeeper. So if you are able to get these kind of chances, it's one more variable added to your game. 
why should you reject it? You know, and and this is something that has to be trained, and um, and I think it's, it's part of the future of the game, if not uh, the present, which is already part of the present. And uh, so I think definitely it's something that I like to see when Claudio Bravo is on the pitch. It's okay. I, I feel completely relaxed when I see that he's going to do a long pass with his foot, you know, because 85% of the times or 90% of the times, I know that the receiver is going to be a teammate. Okay. Um, well, do, do you think, though, like in the future, are we going to see the situations where like outfit players become goalkeepers? Like, do you think eventually like this is what's going to happen? Like, do you see this as the future of the game? Like, sorry, uh, uh, like a field player becoming the goalkeeper? Yeah, basically like a midfielder or something like that. Like due to, as you mentioned about, you know, that technical ability, the advantage you get. And we know like, you know, in sports, like especially this, you know, sports at the highest level, even 0.1% difference is a very huge difference, you know? So uh, do you think like, as you mentioned, which, uh, you know, very, very right point, and it's interesting, you know, sweeper or keeper, that's a very, you know, interesting term, but do you eventually yeah, yeah. do see, you know, uh, an outfield player, like a midfielder or a defender, eventually becoming a goalkeeper in the future? I think that that happens every now and then, but that happens at the youth level, at the academic, uh, academia level. That happens when you are 14, 15, 16 even. If it's later than that, I seem, I think that that's going to be very difficult in, in general terms. Uh, it can happen every now and then, eventually, of course. But uh, for being a goalkeeper, I, I did play as a goalkeeper myself, not professionally at all, I, I wish. But um, I, I, I did play, I'm, I'm 192 high, you know, so I, oh, wow. I had good reflexes at the time. So I did play as a goalkeeper for, for, with my friends. And uh, I think that that's something that you, you need to work a lot on certain skill sets for the goalkeeper in terms of reset flexes, jumping, how to actually stick your hand to the ball, uh, how to roll when you fall, many, many different things uh, that you need years of training. You, you can have like this specific one in a million talent, uh, but now it's one in a hundred million talent, but, uh, but that's going to be like the real exception. You know, normally, uh, I think that it was uh, Victor Valdez, uh, who was a goalkeeper for Barcelona, uh, many years, and, and he also played for the national team every now and then. Um, he said it in some interviews that he, when he played as a youth, he liked to be a striker, you know. But suddenly, one game he had to play as a goalkeeper uh, when they were like 13 years old, and uh, he stopped and made several saves. And uh, the coaches were like, "Dude, you have been playing as a striker, but you are better than our best goalkeeper." So, okay, you know, it's opportunity of chance. Uh, as a goalkeeper, I might reach professional player. As a striker, I will never reach it. And, and he started developing his, his skill set for goalkeeping, you know. But um, I feel that in professional level, when you have a guy 20 years old already, and there have been six years or four years in the youth development uh, program of a certain club, elite club, if they reach the top tier uh, and they reach the first team as a central back, midfielder, striker, you name it, uh, I, I do not see that change to happen as for the guy to become like their goalkeeper. Um, we do have, uh, I think, three more comments for you, Manuel, before you know, we go to the Real Madrid lineups. So Captain sure. Fahim is here. He asks, uh, what happened to Borja Iglesias? Uh, he was performing very good, but from the last season, not that much. That's a big question. What happens? Uh, we don't know. It's like suddenly, uh, well, if you see since the injury of Nabil Fekir, uh, he started performing less and... I think that that's something that remarks the importance of, of Nabil Fekir. He's a kind of player that, that because of his ability, he drags two defenders to cover him. Uh, and that makes an opening for other teammates to have spaces to run and create new line of passes and things like that. So Borja Iglesias, El Panda, he profited a lot from that. Not only him, the rest of the teammates as well. So when Nabil Fekir got injured last season, we saw a big decline on, on the offensive stats for the club in general, for, for Real Betis. And I think that uh, Fekir, uh, Borja Iglesias is suffering a little bit from that. Even if we have Isco this year, but uh, they don't know how to play together each, uh, as well as, as Fekir and El Panda knew how to play together. Uh, so that's why William Jose this year is the one that is making the goals uh, instead of El Panda. And Ashik is uh, also here. He says, uh, Manuel, Real Madrid uh, obsessed over the Champions League and we shit our pants 
when it comes to the corporate L trade? And is it the opposite for you guys? Yes, we we need the league classifying to Europe League every year because that's what's going to be give us the stability in economics to keep the growth that we're experiencing. We are opening a new training ground. So it's going to be 52 hectares, which is going to be one of the biggest in whole Europe. And we are projecting a new stadium that we expect to keep to start building in two years' time. And for that, we need to perform in a level that we have our income uh, completely certified at a European level for a couple of years. So for us, winning a competition, it will be an extra. But the main objective, it has to be to qualify to European League minimum. That's that's in order to maintain the growth that we're experiencing in the last two or three years. Okay, so do you guys not take the Europa League seriously at all? We do take it seriously. I mean, it's it's a, it's an opportunity to to dream, but uh, we we are a very suffered team. You know, we have uh, suffered a lot, and then we were close to to disappearance uh, 12, 13 years ago. Uh, so it, this is tough times, you know, and 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 this creates a different way of looking at things. Uh, coming with your feet on the ground and knowing wh what you actually have. And uh, of course, if if we get on and keep on advancing the stages in the European League, you will see Pellegrini giving more uh, importance to it. Uh, but as as it for now, it's a secondary uh, competition, yeah, same as the King's Cup. Okay. I would say that King's Cup perhaps is a little bit more important uh, because of the tradition and because it's easier to win it than the European League. Yeah, a more realistic chance. And especially if you have a lot of injuries early on in the season, it's hard to compete in all fronts. Definitely. And that has been our case, sadly. Mm -hmm. Lots of injuries. Yeah. Uh, so as for the goalkeeper debate, Ashik actually has his take on it as well. So he says, you can have the footwork like Maradona, but if you're not good at protecting the goal and pulling off game-winning saves, then all of that footwork means nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Uh, I guess uh, the other major talking point that we have for this week is again we still no longer have uh, we we still don't have Arda Guler, uh, fit and ready for this game, so we're not gonna see him feature. But uh, we might probably see him against Villarreal, which is the take out there. And uh, luckily enough, Winnie and Militao have you know quietly started working on the pitch on their own. So hopefully their recovery goes well as well. So, but you know, Farouk, uh, these days uh, predicting our lineup is not that hard. Uh, we basically don't have a lot of choices, so except for a couple of spots. So, keeping in mind that Modric is, you know, fully back, uh, fit and ready, uh, who do you think is actually going to start up for us? Well, I'm expecting actually the same lineup as against Granada. Just more likely, the doubt I have is, <clears throat> do we go with Lucas Vasquez or like those natural players, a fullback? And actually thinking. Can they pull a 360 and actually switch a fallen Mendy there? I don't know. Or oh boy, I, what I, do you think? I, I don't know. Like I kind of feel like there is a lot of mental gymnastics going on. Obviously, like the direct replacement is Lucas Vasquez, you know, but I just kind of feel like, you know, uh, can some mental gymnastics happen with the with the you know with the right back situation? No. What do you think? Man, I feel like I've seen Mendy play there and it's not been pretty. I feel like Nacho can do a much better job there. So I feel like we should put him there. Uh, but uh, keeping also in mind that, you know, we might need Nacho also uh, up and fit and uh, maybe replacing one of the centre-backs if things go well. Uh, I would actually start Lucas Vasquez and just, you know, uh, to keep up his form because we can't play keep playing Carvajal even when he's fit, when he's back. We can't keep playing him every game. So I feel like if Lucas Vasquez gets a run of games, he'll be valuable towards the, uh, the rest of the season. No, I think that's a very valid point, considering the fact that, you know, we're not talking about just days, we're talking about, you know, two months out. So, like, we actually do need Vasquez to play himself into full form. And I think a couple of fixtures, albeit, you know, a bit daunting, are, like, you know, very fair to him. Because after this, you know, we play Villarreal. And then, you know, I think in the, we also play Union Berlin in the Champions League as well. You know, that's already a dead rubber. So, I think that's, that's and considering form. But then, anyways, like, always when Real Madrid plays Villarreal, it's always a cup final, man. Like, it doesn't matter how bad Villarreal are or what they are. So, uh, I was going to say, you know, the bad form of Villarreal, but then it is what it is. So, I, I do feel like, you know, <clears throat> you're right in that sense. Like, we have to try to play Lucas Vasquez into form. But I wouldn't be surprised as well if I see some mental gymnastics from the coach, you know, considering the fact that you have, you know, uh, what's it called? Both Fran Garcia and Froland Mendy, as you know, as, as your left backs, then why not just, you know, exploit that and try to, you know, 
build something on the right back with them as also it's, it's, it's going to be quite interesting to see but one thing we know is that we can further highlight is that again this adds you know extra work to already you know to overload it you know uh federico Valverde because he's gonna have to put in a lot of shifts to cover for <clears throat> the def- defensive deficiencies of lucas vasquez which is one of the biggest issues that's there because i think his offensive output is fine you know uh, obviously his crosses are always here and there but that's the thing you know like if two out of four are good it's it's more than enough but just the defensive lapses are, <clears throat> are the things that we will want to pay attention to so Federico already has to put in a shift and that becomes even much more difficult when you're playing alongside you know uh Luka Modric and Tony Cruz as well you know considering like the 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 the, the advanced age of of, of uh, Luka Modric and the lack of physicality of Tony Cruz or at least the reduced physicality of Tony Cruz you know that makes it a bit more difficult so again the rule of Jude also becomes a bit you know more tedious as well he has to cover much more ground than he has done already so I don't know how that's gonna look like but yeah, I mean, it's 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 looking quite interesting. But then what I will just post to you, Jacob, is like, have you been surprised by Brahim Diaz, though? Definitely. Uh, so I was one of the naysayers, especially in preseason. I was thinking, man, this why did we bring this guy? We f- fucking lost 20, basically 10, 15 goals from Is- uh, Asensio. And we replaced him with Brahim, who can't, who's in really that prolific in front of goal. But he's re- really surprised me and shut me up, especially with his recent performances. So, you know. Uh, really rooting for him. But, you know, uh, going back to actually uh, our right-back situation and, you know, Fede Valverde having to cover for Lucas Vasquez in this game. So he's probably going to have his hands full uh, facing against Isco, especially considering, you know, uh, it's going to be Tony Cruz in the middle of the park. So, Manuel, I'll post this question to you. Do you think Isco is actually going to have a good game against Madrid? Uh, that's a very tough question. <laughs> having a good game against Real Madrid generally is is is... A near impossible quest, right? For for 99 of the clubs in the in the in the first league in Spain, uh, but I hope so. I hope so, and I think that he can do his his things. I think that uh, we will see. I mean, depends on how the game evolves. Uh, if there are many fouls and uh, if the referee calls them, doesn't call them. There are things that happen during the game that that can change the click, you know, and the mental click. Um, but I think that he's going to be motivated, definitely, because it's it's a team that he has been many years. He had it's a team that he cherishes because he has lived many interesting things and, and beautiful moments. But also he went out uh, deceived, kind of, uh, because in the last two years he didn't play as much as he expected, and and, and he lived that bad period of the over there. So there there can be some some I, I wouldn't say revenge because he still has lots of teammates, like old friends from there. But uh, you always have this uh, thing in your heart saying, like, I have to show them, you know, like, I am still somebody who could be there. Uh, perhaps, I don't know. So I expect us yes, to, to have a big game, but I'm a, a Betis fan, so I'm an optimist, optimistic by nature. <laughs> uh, anyways, I think it's, it's going to be really tough because Federico Arbede, physically, he's amazing. He's a guy that, uh, that covers a lot of... of room uh, he's good defensively and offensively uh, so it's going to be probably one of the toughest games that we have faced with Isco up to this moment in, in the competition and uh, I wish for Betis to win but uh, I'm, I, I would be happy to have a one nil in the last minute and being unfair but um, I know that it's a almost impossible cast you know in, in the last years even though we have a couple good results, but in general, it's been tilted for Real Madrid. Yeah, I remember the last good result you got was away, and then Sergio Colanes actually sank us. It was in 2020, I think, with Zita. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was 1-2, one, one, right? I think it yeah. was uh, the it was final one. result. Yeah, yeah, but we will see. We will see. And I think that Lucas Vazquez, uh, you were commenting about the right wing before. I think he's the best option because Ayoce Perez is a player with a lot of mobility and quite fast with a big acceleration. And in this sense, uh, Lucas Vazquez can match better those skills than Nacho, even though Nacho defensively is better in positioning and, and, and recovering his space. But I think that Lucas Vasquez is the most appropriate. And if I see Nacho, actually, I'm going to be kind of excited thinking, well, here we have a chance for Ayothe to become crazy on the left wing, you know, and, and do some magic over there. But um, we will see. We will see. Mm. It's going to be, I mean, playing against Real Madrid, as I said, uh, you have 
Vinicius out, you have uh, Militao out, you have uh, Chunameni, you have Camavinga, uh, Dani Carvajal, who was, as you mentioned, playing like really well. Uh, you have all these players that are out, but still, you look at the at the potential starting eleven, and it's like, dude, I wish I had uh, pretty much all those players, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Farouk, do you actually think if if in case uh, God forbid Isco actually scores, you think he'll celebrate against us? I think it's it's you know it's 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 an away game, so I think you know he might be you know tempted to celebrate that you know the the, the Via Marine. But I think if it, if, it, if it was the reverse case and it was at the Bernabeu, I am quite sure that he would not have celebrated against us. Yeah, it's a good shout. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so coming back, uh, so I guess the midfielder said uh, the defense has said we're not going to have any changes from Granada. So uh, do you think Jose Lu actually starts or is it's going to be Ibrahim again? I think Brahim continues, you know, the, he's, he, he's going to be rewarded for his, you know, good run of form. And the thing about, the, the, that, <clears throat> and the interesting thing, you know, with Brahim is that, you know, uh, he brings that link up, you know, that, that that's a bit like him with, 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 with Husilo, honestly. So I think he's, and we can start to see that he's actually developing an understanding with players like, you know, uh, like Rodrigo. So I think that's really, really important. And the thing is just continuity is there. And, you know, <clears throat> in the middle of the week, you can take him out and play, play uh, what's it called, play Hosil. But then again, you know, the, the, the issue that Milan fans always had with, with, with Brian was that, you know, he had purple patches, you know, like he had three good games and then there were 10 bad games. And then he was like, I don't know, three good games. And then he was under 10 bad games. So, you know, that's the thing, like, we hope, you know, that that's not a continuity of what we're seeing here. But the thing also just remains that I know everyone has their own, you know, whatever about Brahim Diaz or what is and what is not, but we just have to know that, okay, like, yeah, Brahim is a substitute that has been called upon and, you know, he's getting the job done. So, like, you know, let's let let, let, anyone, not, let anyone not have, you know, any false ideas that, you know, like he's the next, you know, Jesus or something like that. So he's just here, you know, to, to fill in the gap and he has filled in the gap perfectly. So uh, I hope he can continue to do that when called upon. Okay. How about you, Manuel? Like, uh, who would you actually rather face, Jose Lu or uh, Brahim? It goes back to, you know, uh, if your defense can actually handle aerial balls or whatnot. So if, if we have Petzela back, I will be with Jose Lu because he offers less mobility. And uh, in, in defensively speaking, Chadi Riyad and Petzela, they have uh, formed a really solid tandem. And, and, and they are tall players, big ones. They're fast, so they reach pretty much all the balls. And uh, in aerial duels, they, they have really good statistics. So I will go for, for Jose Lu if Petzela is back, which I think actually I, I wanted to say because I just received a message from a friend of mine in Sevilla uh, commenting to me that William Carvalho and Petzela actually trained today without problems. So they might be, uh, I, I th I'm going to change, I think it's going to be William Carvalho and Marroca in the midfield and Petzela and Chadi Riyad in the fullbacks, um, central defenders. Okay. Yeah, imp important players to come back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't know if you saw my smile, but I was reading the message and was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So, you we know, need, I... we need all the talent uh, for that <laughs> game, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, usually after our lineups, we like to do predictions. So I feel like after those, uh, after that message, you, you know, you might change your prediction for this game. I, I will stick with the 1 0. Uh, for us, for Real Betis, uh, but uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, that, that's going to be my prediction. I don't want to go further than that. <laughs> How about you, Farouk? Uh, I think uh, it's it's going to be um, a 2-0 uh, for Real Madrid. I think uh, we're going to be able to shut down Betis and keep his score and, you know, all the Ayose Perez and all those guys quiet. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and return home. Oh, so you're going to say no is good score, yeah? Nah, there is no Isco this kid this week, man. The week after he can continue with this goal. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go for the safe to one uh, because you know uh, I feel like uh, former Real Madrid players coming back, you know, and facing up against us is not always a good idea. They always turn it up, so probably uh, we're gonna be looking in scoring one goal, and especially with Carvajal back uh, injured, um, we're gonna find it very difficult to actually you know adjust without him. So. Hopefully, a uh, two-one victory for me. Fingers crossed, man. A victory is a victory. Eventually, we just get away with the three points. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, uh, do you have guys have anything else to say, or we can you know uh, wind it up slowly? No, for me, it's uh, 
for me it's been a pleasure to participate here really uh, nice conversation uh, football supporters and uh, with with heart and respect which is what the sport has to promote right yeah absolutely that's true and you know yeah, well, uh, <coughs> we actually have all of uh, manuel's uh, Twitter and his uh, the Pena link down in the description as well. So you know, Betis uh, oh, are a really good team <laughs> to actually have as your second La Liga team if you're a Real Madrid fan. So you know, give them a look out. Definitely. Here it's uh, the the theme for La Pena. Opa, I've got it completely upside down. But this is the Pena Betis Twitter. This is the the scarf that you get when you sign up for the Pena. <laughs> and I also have the the official one from the club which is, uh, I got it as a present uh, last month that I was able to visit the club and imagine for a supporter to be able to, to, to step on the grass of the stadium and everything. It was an amazing experience. Definitely, definitely. It, it was definitely a pleasure, Manuel, to have you on because, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, it's good to have, you know, real proper football people, you know, people who actually, you know, watch the game and, you know, put all their, you know, emotions and their heart into it and, you know, because I don't know, like, I just feel like, you know, this time around we have football has just become, you know, like a capitalist business and it's just, you know, all for the show and everything. And, you know, you cannot have like a real proper, you know, uh, football conversations that doesn't go back to the fact that, oh, how many tackles did he have? What is the stats? You know, what is that? Like, you know, we cannot sit back to just enjoy football as a, you know, proper, proper, you know, uh, football fans. And honestly, it's always great, you know, to, to, to talk to football loving people like yourself and I think it was a really good conversation from both yourself and Jacob. And so we are really, really glad to, to have you. Thank you for being on. Thank you very much. Thank you both. Yeah. And uh, before we go, you know, I'd like to take a moment to thank the viewers also, uh, Ashik and Fatim and uh, Jabara Blogata for tuning in with the comments. And uh, for all of you, rest of you guys uh, listening on Spotify, thank you for your continued support. Uh, do check out our uh, good, awesome reels and, you know, short form content on youtube and instagram as well all the links are down in the description so keep a watch out for that and uh you know emmanuel uh before we like to end the podcast with me and faro we like to say a small hello madrid so you know just not to keep it awkward uh, you can feel uh say whatever comes to mind you know for yourself <laughs> uh, <mucho betis. laughs> all right then hello madrid, hello, madrid. <laughs> bye bye guys bye.